I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers. They seem to be in full-scale retreat from spending cuts and are talking about raising people's taxes again. And I have only one thing to say to the tax increasers. Go ahead, make my day. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on Earth. Those who would trade our freedom for security have embarked on this downward course. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. Conduit News Radio with Paul Harrell is on now. Hey folks, hey, welcome to, to the program. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, this is, what is today? Monday. This is December the 30th. And uh, here we are. Uh, you have found the intersection of conservative ideas and reality where we are building a liberty machine. So glad that uh, you guys are with us uh, up and broadcasting here for a few remaining days, uh, broadcasting on terrestrial radio stations. Of course, we got the big changeover coming up. Uh, on th- I guess we'll, tomorrow will be our last day, then uh, we'll be hitting the ground running on Thursday, uh, January the 2nd. Uh, for our, uh, you know, digital shows, digital content, making the big switch. And so you want to stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we have a lot of news to get to. A lot of stuff has happened uh, over the holiday weekend. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, you can't help but start with the tragedies that happened. I mean, that's uh, th- those are the biggest things. We had a synagogue stabbing a guy with a machete. And then you had a church in Texas where... Uh, a guy with a shotgun started unloading on uh, parishioners and was taken out by a security, well, actually by a couple of I think one of the guys was a security guard and there was other parishioners armed there. This happened, um, they say in response that, you know, that uh, churchgoers are now able to arm themselves because of a, essentially a law that deregulated uh, security teams. Now, here in Arkansas, just so you know, because I've had some people asking this, you know, here in Arkansas, it's up to each individual church, uh, according to state laws, for what you want to do. If you want to allow your uh, uh, churchgoers to carry weapons, it'd be the church's uh, church's prerogative to figure out how you want to make that happen. You know, uh, do you want to form a security team? Do you want to not? Do you just want to let people that have guns carry guns? It's totally up to the individual uh, churches, and that's obviously how it should be. Is you, you know we're talking about autonomous uh, bodies, and they should be able to determine how they want uh, to best police. You know, this stuff's getting more and more common, though. It's getting more and more common. It's really, really sad uh, to see this, but yeah, at the same time, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I think about it a lot in terms of you know where we worship, where I worship, where my family worships, and uh, want to be prepared. Telephone number 870-275-9799 is the telephone number. If you want to uh, text into the program this morning, one second. For those of you watching online, you understand what's going on right now, right? So, <laughs> Joe's not here uh, today. And so, uh, because he's not, I'm kind of a one-man show here in terms of uh, operating everything, all the bells and whistles and that sort of thing. Uh, so, I've got a lot of, i got a lot, <laughs> got big shoes to fill here. Um, all right, let's talk about, first off, this is the first headline that I saw this morning. It uh, was very odd to me. I, I almost didn't believe it. But then, of course, you've 
got to take into consideration that this is the radical liberal progressive left that we're talking about here. So if you go to uh, Breitbart.com, this was on the front page this morning, that leftists are blaming Trump for the rise in anti-Semitism in the wake of Hanukkah stabbing attack. And I thought to myself, really? This is, we're going to really, we're going to blame Trump because this isn't the first time, you know, there's been a few, you know, there's been a few other, uh, you know, anti-Semitic acts uh, that have happened over the last year. And here we are winding down, by the way, 2020 is on its way. Get ready, folks. I got some thoughts on what I hope 2020 will reveal, uh, coming up later. This is, uh, from Penny Starr. I've never read any of her work. In the past 24 hours since a man attacked a Hanukkah celebration in Monsey, New York, the left is blaming Donald Trump for inciting the kind of anti-Semitism that led to the crime. Really? Donald Trump said, I mean, I'm sure Donald Trump said a few things about George Soros before, but that's right, right? That's now anti-Semitic, right? If you say anything about George Soros, that's now Mm -hmm. anti-Semitic. Washington Post on Sunday cited Trump's critics in its report on the stabbings. Quote, some House Democrats singled out the president for criticism, arguing that he has been insufficiently clear in denouncing anti-Semitism and has frequently perpetuated offensive stereotypes about Jewish people. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? This coming from the party <clears throat> of Rashida Tlaib and, uh, and what's the other one? Uh, uh, Ilhan Omar, who, who was like, oh, some people did something on 9-11. Remember that one? And they, they have repeatedly made anti-Semitic comments, and they have not condemned. They have not been. The Democrats have not condemned them. As a matter of fact, many people believe they are pushing forward through with impeachment, or did. Now they're holding it up. Uh, on such flimsy grounds because of the radical left wing of their party. Yeah, and, and it is flimsy, by the way. That's a whole That's a whole other thing. <laughs> Can you imagine if we went around impeaching presidents just because we disagreed with their policy? Here's the thing. Donald Trump has a phone call. He has a phone call about a potential investigation. Oh, we're going to impeach him for it. Yet Joe Biden, the guy who actually withheld money and actually was trying to bail out a family member, his son, from being investigated, that's totally fine. In in the same light, Barack Obama, right, Barack Obama gave guns to Mexican drug cartels, then they used that gun to kill border agent Brian Terry, not impeachable offense. Now, he didn't get impeached for that. It's insane. It's It's absolutely insane. And I think most of the American people understand that. I really do. You have to get beyond, you know, there's something going on where people just don't, and I've tried to talk about this before. I've tried to explain it, but I really think, you know, the this idea that Donald Trump is some sort of, uh, is any different than, uh, the news media is now telling people that their government isn't decent when it was never decent to begin with. And that's why everybody's freaking out. Well, not everybody, but you get the point. That's why there are so many people that are under this spell that Trump is somehow. Now, don't get me wrong. He's a giant agent of change. He is a giant agent of change. He's uh, he's basically 
sparked, as I've said before, he's sparked this immune system in Washington to reacting to this virus because he's actually see the power of the presidency, the power of the executive branch has done nothing but grow to my dismay. But over the last hundred years in this country, the power of the president of the United States has continued to grow and grow and grow and grow. And, um, you know, we could talk about how it's extra, you know, it's gone outside the text of the Constitution. We sure can. But that's just the bottom line is jurisprudence is also ruled on it and everything else. And it's grown and grown and grown and grown. Well, now that you have a guy, okay, who's going to use that power, but he's going to use it in a different way that that the swamp disagrees with and that... Uh, the globalists disagree with, now all of a sudden it's a huge problem. Now all of a sudden our government's did not decent. When these people have been using this morality that we hold dear as a cloak to deceive all of us. Now the news media tells you your government, and then your idol comes crashing down and your this idea of, well, we thought we had people that could read a speech real well on a teleprompter. That made us feel good. Sorry about that, folks. I've had a lot of pent-up energy. Uh Uh, since uh, the Christmas holiday. Earlier this month, Trump prompted an outcry from Jewish groups after he delivered a speech. This is again from the Washington Post, in which he sought to convince a Jewish audience that they had no choice but to vote for him or else they would lose money. So, okay, okay, so so Trump tried to get Jewish people to vote for him, sparked a machete attack against Jewish people? Again. You can believe the opposite. The news priests, these anchors that are essentially clergy today, you can believe the opposite of what they say most of the time. And I don't mean like, well, you don't have all. I mean, we're to the point, and this is scary to me. You can believe the complete opposite. It's very scary when you're when the press that's supposed to pick truth to power just is lying to you because they have something to lose. So here's more on the Texas pastor. So that's the uh, tragedy that happened uh, at the synagogue. Now we have a Texas pastor. This headline from the Daily Caller. Texas pastor thanks God his congregates had the right to defend themselves. West Freeway Church of Christ senior minister Britt Farmer responded to the tragic shooting in his Texas church Sunday by saying that he's thankful his congregates had the right to defend themselves. Oh, by the way, Arkansas, the, the very I just want to make sure you know this. The reason why here in Arkansas, church members or churches, let's say churches specifically, are able to decide and make up their own security policies. The reason you're able to do that is because of a law that was passed and sponsored by former state Senator Brian King, a guy who uh, was uh, <laughs> that the, the governor was not a fan of, let's say. So he's no longer... Senator Brian King, but he was. He's also the same senator that ran the Medicaid disclosure law that would have stopped a lot of this, uh, exposed a lot of the corruption that now we're seeing people go to jail for. That guy, yeah. Not exactly somebody the establishment uh, wanted here in the state of Arkansas. Oh, by the way, still waiting on an in-depth article from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette about the Governor Asa Hutchinson, uh, his law firm, his son, the Chinese companies, same Chinese companies that are coming to Arkansas um, are the same ones that are that are giving the governor's law firm who that's run by his son. He says that he has he he will not go back into it. He doesn't have any financial interest into it. When he when he leaves office, he's saying I'm not going to go back to this law firm. I or no, he says I don't anticipate going. 
I don't anticipate going. Still waiting for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette to write a story about that huge, huge problem uh, that Ace Hutchinson has. We shall see, though. Uh, let's see. After thinking Governor Texas, let, let me just play this for you. This is the uh, pastor of the West Freeway Church of Christ, uh, Senior Minister Britt Farmer. Uh, this is what he said in light of the tragedy. Again, a shooting happened at his congregation yesterday, at his church yesterday, and it was uh, taken out. They immediately, I mean, he he did, the man with the shotgun did take out two of his congregants, killed them, but then this man was also, uh, the, the, the shooter was also gunned down or was taken out pretty swiftly. If you've seen the video, it is graphic, very graphic video. But if you've seen it, then you know what I'm talking about. But here's the senior pastor, what he had to say. Senior minister at the West Freeway Church of Christ. First off, I want to say that I am extremely thankful to, to Lieutenant Governor and the Governor, uh, Governor Patrick and Governor Abbott, and their rapid uh, response to this, to the law enforcement agencies that have been here. Uh, we couldn't have asked for more professional, um, seamless uh, interviews and and work with our congregation and, and our people and the kindness that was shown to them by law enforcement. We lost two great men today. But it could have been a lot worse. And I'm thankful that our government has allowed us the opportunity to protect ourselves. We have a congregation here of open-hearted people. We help people, we're here to help people. And to have something like this happen destroys my heart. And when I say destroys, it destroys it because there is evil in this world. Today is one sermon I'll never preach. It'll go away. It was called leaving a legacy. And two men today left a legacy. But a congregation is going to build on that legacy. We'll have a church-wide. All right, again, that is, uh, that's a pastor there of uh, West Freeway Church of Christ, um, Senior Minister Britt Farmer on the tragedy of the shooting that happened over the weekend. Uh, they were finishing communion, and the video is a man in a trench coat, and... Uh, he pulled out a shotgun. Um, <clears throat> Texas DPS Director Jeff Williams, quote, the citizens who were inside that church undoubtedly saved 242 other parishioners. It was miraculous true heroes. Let's see what he had to say here. Uh, it cannot be overstated how important it is that uh, everyone recognize what took place here today. The citizens who were inside that church undoubtedly saved 242 other parishioners and that might get swept aside in this whole conversation about active shooter response and god knows law enforcement has done a whole bunch of work to make our response better um, we needed to do that but we're starting to find out that uh, as the lieutenant governor mentioned over half of these are over before we get there and i want to commend the chief and his department uh, their their response was i mean it's never going to get faster than that it was miraculous um and so the true heroes in this are the people who were sitting in those pews today uh, and responded the immediate responders that saved their fellow citizens and 
Uh, I just can't overstate how critical that is uh, for everyone to recognize. It is truly heroic, and uh, this citizens, uh, this, the citizens of this community have a lot to be proud of for their response. Now, think about that for a second. I mean, that's really, really uh, a, a good statement there by Texas DPS Director Jeff Williams. But he said it's not going to get faster than that. Think about that for a second. If you've seen the video, then you know. He started shooting, and then, and, and then this man was put down within seconds started of opening fire on this congregation. I mean, it was... Uh, it was almost instantaneous. Obviously, there was the loss of life. I mean, he did get to some people, too. But then he was immediate, and he said, it's not going to get faster than that. So what does that mean about, I mean, what does that mean for, I mean, there, there's a stark reality that's being communicated here, and, and that is, I mean, he, you have a guy in Texas government saying, listen, I mean, we, we work really hard for law enforcement to be able to respond as fast as we can, but we can't do it as good as an armed society can do it themselves. We can still be of use. We can still protect. We can still serve. But when it comes to a situation like that, you, you are responsible for your own safety, and, it's the, and, and you are the best arbiter of that, and we have the Second Amendment the God-given right to protect uh, uh, our self, uh, uh, self-preservation, if you will. So, uh, fascinating. Admission at it. That's Texas for you right there. That's what that is. Just speaking the truth about the situation. And, you know, the left's response, well, anytime there's some sort of mass shooting, is to try to make it harder to, for, for you to get a gun. I mean, the criminals are going to get the gun. I mean, it's really kind of messed up from a moral sense as far as I'm concerned that, you know, we have as a society where we're, we're degrading more and more morally where people are willing to murder other people more easily you know, and, and they have such a low uh, thought of what human life is. So bullets are flying in your citizens, your law-abiding citizens' direction. And the government's response, the Democrats' response is to take your guns away, that's pretty cruel, man. That's pretty messed up if you think about it. To make you and your family more defenseless, that's your solution? doesn't really seem like you care very much about the citizens you claim to care about. Maybe it's just me. Folks, we have got to go to break. We're going to be back here in just a moment don't go anywhere, okay? Don't go anywhere. Back in a moment. Conduit News Radio with Paul Harrell is building a liberty machine. Find out more at conduitnews.com. All right, welcome back. Oh, we got the wrong one. I'm done. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. 
Uh, coming up at the bottom of this hour, we're going to be talking with uh, Dr. Michael Bussler. A few of these stories here. Um, I just want to, you know, he knows what he's talking about in terms of he keeps track of the numbers, economic numbers more than I. The economy seems to be doing well. We had uh, NASDAQ getting to, to records. want to talk to him about that. want to talk to him about uh, GDP, that sort of thing. Everything. Uh, oh, by the way, one of the things we didn't talk about, Arkansas Democrat Gazette reporting this morning about U.S. airstrikes. U.S. airstrikes target militia in Iraq, Syria. Action cited as retaliation against Iran-backed group. Uh, let's see here. The U.S. carried out military strikes in Iraq and Syria, targeting an Iranian-backed uh, Iraqi militia, blamed for a rocket attack that killed an American contractor, Defense Secretary Mark Esper said on Sunday. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said the strikes sent the message that the U.S. will not tolerate actions by Iran that are jeopardize American lives. Precision defensive strikes were conducted against five sites um, of the uh, Kataib Hezbollah. Defense Department spokesman Jonathan Hoffman said in a statement, the U.S. blames the militia for a rocket barrage Friday that killed a U.S. defense contractor at a military compound near Kirkuk in northern Iraq. Officials said as many as 30 rockets were fired in Friday's assault. Uh, Esper said the U.S. hit three of the militia's sites in western Iraq and two in eastern Syria, including a weapon depot and the militia's command control base. Um, uh, You know, I, <clears throat> interesting. My, you know, are, are we uh, are we basically doing that? Hey, if you mess with us, we're going to bomb you back to the Stone Age and come home. Foreign policy is that is that what we're doing? It kind of seems like it, doesn't it? But as is all things, I mean, it's especially with foreign policy, it's it is uh, extremely complicated. There's no doubt about that, man. Um, so, so that happened. We're going to keep an eye on that, and also uh, over the holiday. So, and there's all. So, the, domestically, we had these two violent situations with the synagogue and the church in Texas. We, then we have these, uh, uh, you know, Iran trying to do some saber rattling of some kind. Iraqi militias backed by Iran, and now then you also have North Korea, which is been a very fascinating year with North Korea, hasn't it? You have North Korea saying that they had a Christmas present for the president, you know, kind of a threatening thing or for Americans, and the president was like, well, I don't know, maybe it's a nice vase. Uh, and so you had that situation, and uh, Kim Jong-un is kind of saying, hey, maybe we need to be more offensive uh, or we need to take I, – I don't know. Who, who knows what the state of those talks are? As I was listening to the press reports about it, though, coming, on the, coming in on the way into work, I thought to myself, can I really believe anything – that CNN or the mainstream media is telling me about what North Korea is actually doing, what their what what Kim Jong Un's relationship is right now with President Donald Trump, because you know they did this the last time and they were shaking hands and he was walking across the neutral zone. You know what I mean? The, the mainstream media last time was telling you how terrible. Oh, we can't. I mean, the mainstream media doesn't want peace with North Korea because President Trump will get credit, just like they didn't actually want to fix the DACA situation because then it would have given the president credit, which he was willing to do, by the way. We've got uh, Michael Bustler coming your way next. Bringing you your daily dose of truth. 
It's Conduit News Radio with Paul Harrell. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to the show this morning. Thank you so much uh, for being with us. You can text me at 870-275-9799. Also, you can sound off on the Facebook page right now up at facebook.com slash Conduit News. That's facebook.com slash Conduit News. Uh, folks, he is a public policy analyst, uh, economics expert, also professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey. Dr. Michael Buster is back with us. Uh, Michael, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Paul. Thanks for having me. It's always my pleasure to be here. Yes, sir. Uh, I've got this story here. Let me pull it up for us. NASDAQ streak of records ends after mixed session for Wall Street. This was on the 27th. Uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, economic numbers uh, towards as we get towards the uh, beginning of a new year? Well, I'm very optimistic. Um, uh, the consensus view from economists is that next year the economy will slow down. Um, I don't agree with that. <laughs> I think um, the uh, economy is going to show surprising strength when the fourth quarter numbers are released in uh, January, and I think that's going to lead into a fairly uh, strong 2020. In fact, I think growth next year will be higher than it is uh, this year, and I say that for um, a couple of reasons. One, um, recall when President Trump uh, got into office, uh, he set economic growth as his uh, top priority. Uh, so the first thing he did was get rid of a lot of regulations that were really counterproductive. He can do that through executive order. Uh, then he convinced Congress uh, to cut taxes for all Americans, for the middle class, uh, to stimulate demand in the economy, and for the upper classes and corporations to add a new capital to the economy for growth. Well, the tax cut went into effect in 2018. The economy uh, grew at just about a 3% rate, and it would have been higher had the Federal Reserve not been so aggressive. Again, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates eight times between the end of 2016 and the end of 2018. Um, so as the economy was starting to grow in 2018, the Federal Reserve was raising interest rates and shrinking the money supply. Uh, what happened then, it held growth to around 3%, which was much better than we've seen in the past in 2018, but then it started to slow growth down in 2019. Well, the Fed uh, realized that they'd made a mistake. So in July, um, they started to cut interest rates. They've dropped interest rates three times and they've stopped uh, shrinking the money supply. So what that is going to do, I think fourth quarter, as I mentioned, will be stronger than most people think. And, and that's led by the consumer. Uh, and uh, Christmas sales are doing much better than last year. All of the numbers are not in yet, uh, but it looks like we're going to be about three and a half to four percent better uh, this year than we were last year. Uh, and with the consumer feeling extremely confident, with consumer uh, wages rising at the fastest rate literally in decades, uh, and with inflation remaining relatively low, under two percent, uh, those wage increases translate into real. Uh, increases in purchasing power. Uh, so I think next year um, the consumer will help uh, lead uh, an increase in economic growth. Um, I also see all of the trade uh, issues being resolved very favorably. <clears throat> Again, when uh, President Trump got into office, he looked at all the trade agreements uh, for whatever reason, 
Every single one of them was slanted in favor of our trading partners and to the detriment of the U.S. For instance, in the automobile industry, they made a car in Europe and sold it in the U.S. We charged a 2.5% tariff. We made a car in the U.S., sold it in Europe. They charged a 10% tariff. In China, uh, they sold a car here, 2.5% tariff. They charged us a 25% tariff. Well, the result of that was we're buying a lot of foreign goods, uh, and they're not buying very many of ours, and we have this negative balance of trade. So President Trump confronted that immediately, and he has been very successful. We have a new trade agreement with Mexico and Canada, which was just ratified by Congress. We have a new trade agreement with North Korea, with uh, South Korea, rather. We have a new agreement with Japan. Uh, India and the European Union are talking with us, and we're coming up with something with China. So with all those positive things, I'm very optimistic about next year. So, I mean, I've got uh, some stories to kind of back up what you're saying here, uh, especially this one here. Low-wage workers are getting bigger raises than their bosses. This is from CBS News. The 25% lowest-paid Americans enjoyed a 4.5% income boost in November. That outpaced a 2.9% gain in earnings for the country's highest-paid workers. Um, that that is that's incredibly bad news for people that are you know just anti-Trump, never want to give him the benefit of the doubt for anything he does. More importantly, it's great news for America. <clears throat> so um, the the prior administration emphasized uh, how we have a big um, income inequality problem. Uh, now, their solution to that is um, overtaxing people that earned income and giving that money to people who, for whatever reason, haven't earned income. Now, that's not really a long-term solution. In fact, it will tend to stagnate the economy. What President Trump is doing is saying, look, what people really need at lower income levels uh, is what they really need is opportunity. So I'm going to get economic growth up. It's going to provide opportunity for everyone. And what's happening, as you uh, point out, is that people with lower incomes are seeing greater wage increases than people with average or a higher income. So President Trump is really helping the people that need the help the most, even though the Democrats continue to tout the tax cut. All it did was... Uh, cut taxes for the wealthy. It really didn't help anybody else. Now, that's absolutely not true. The tax cut helped everyone. He did cut taxes for the wealthy and corporations, but that creates new capital. And the new capital will allow the economy to expand as it has. And as the economy expands, it provides new job opportunities for people who um, don't have very good jobs, or, or there are many people that have dropped out of the workforce because they couldn't find a job, they're starting to come back into the workforce. This is great news for all America, but especially for lower income America and a lot of the minority groups too. Uh, African American, Hispanic, uh, and women entering the workforce for the first time, the unemployment rate there is at or near historic lows. That's really the way to help people that need something. It's not just to give it to them but rather give them the opportunity to earn the income so they can purchase it themselves. And that's what President Trump is doing. Here We got uh, Dr. Michael Bustler with us, uh, professor of finance at Stockton University, New Jersey, economic expert. 
I mean, to your point, it's good for all Americans. So, I mean, the left can rightfully point to the fact that these, you know, the tax policy, it was good for the rich. But your point is it's good for everybody. But see, I'm not one of these guys. When, when I see this headline here, this is back on December 27th, Bloomberg.com. Bizarre fortunes flourish as world's riches gain $1.2 trillion. Okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's not a bad thing, is it, Dr. Bustler? No, it certainly isn't. Look, if, if they're gaining that much, it means they're doing something that the economy needs. The, the way people get wealthy and earn a lot of income is to produ produce something that the economy needs. Uh, sometimes the economy doesn't even know it needs it until someone, <clears throat> an entrepreneur, takes a chance. For instance, uh, Jeff Bezos said, look, it's very inefficient the way that we um, uh, purchase goods, go to the store and buy things that takes up a whole lot of time. What people really need is to be able to purchase goods, particularly goods you buy routinely and don't have to see all the time, is to purchase goods uh, online and save everybody a whole lot of time and trouble and money. Well, um, hundreds of millions of people worldwide uh, realize that, yeah, that is something that we need. They take advantage of that. And as a result, Jeff Bezos was able to earn huge amounts of, of money. Well, you just mentioned the, the wealthy are uh, gaining more. It's because they're investing. The uh, economies are expanding. They're providing goods that uh, the uh, consumers need. So when you see people becoming a, a billionaire, uh, the Democrats say, we don't need any more billionaires. I say it's exactly the opposite. We need as many billionaires as we can get because everyone that becomes a billionaire did so by providing something that the economy needed. So this is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. I completely agree. And I, I also want to say, I also want to point out, you have said on the program before that, you know, as things have gotten better and we're not hearing, I don't think, you know, we're hearing near as much of how good things really are from the mainstream media. Um, but as things have gotten better, you as a professor have noticed your students are able to get jobs easier once they graduate. Is that right? That's true. And I also noticed that um, many of the students that were underemployed the prior decade, really, um, are finding much more opportunities. In other words, because we had a stagnant economy uh, during the prior administration, when students were graduating, it was very difficult to find a, a good job. Many times they took a job for which they were overqualified. You didn't need a college degree for, and they started to question whether a college degree uh, is a good idea. Well, all of those underemployed college graduates, because the economy is growing, are now finding opportunities where they can take advantage of a job that uh, utilizes what they've, they've learned. So it's better for the people that are un, uh, underemployed, and it's better for the new graduates. I tell my students this year, this is probably the best year to graduate in the last 15 years. You're going to find uh, you'll be able to locate uh, job opportunities. And probably for the first time in a long time, you may find more than one job opportunity where, again, for the last decade, they were lucky. Students were lucky if they found even one opportunity. Wow. Yeah. And, and so this is stuff that's just, you know, this is not being reported. And um, but, you know, we're going to we're going to continue to report it, Dr. Bustler. And, and I know, uh, you know, that you're, uh, you know, I, first of all, I just appreciate you coming on the program so much, number one, and appreciate your uh, 
your expertise in all of this and, and, and giving us another side of the story and also being a professor of finance at, at in, in our American university system, you don't, you don't hear this opinion from people in academia too much. They, they tend to kind of be the opposite of what you are, sir. <laughs> yeah, you know, they certainly are. And I have a problem. I mean, uh, look, I respect my colleagues and I work with them, but 90, 95% of the, my colleagues don't agree with my views. Um, and, you know, I have to be a little careful about when and how I express my views uh, because the other side tends to be very passionate about their positions. And um, what uh, bothers me a little bit is they tend to be very closed-minded toward the other view. And that's not what's supposed to happen in college. We're supposed to be teaching students, I mean, specific skills, but we're primarily teaching them critical thinking skills to, to, so they can uh, make good decisions as they go through life and they can sort of figure things out. Well, the ma way to make good decisions is to gather as much information as possible. So when my colleagues present only one side of an argument, they're really depriving the uh, students of uh, objective information so they can make better decisions. Whenever, I, whenever I'm asked my view, I always say, look, here's what one side would say. Here's what the other side would say. Now you figure out what which view makes the most sense to you, and that's the view that you should support. Hmm. Dr. Bustler, I appreciate it, sir. Thanks so much for being on. I want to remind everybody that you, we can find your stuff. You've been a featured columnist at Newsmax, The Hill, The Western Journal, townhall.com. Appreciate you, sir. Have a happy new year, okay? Happy new year to you, Paul, and thanks for having me. All righty. Yes, sir. Uh, folks, we're going to – well, actually, let me kind of pushing a lot of buttons here real quick. Um First off, I want to go to the Facebook page before we go to break here. Uh, we've got uh, Blair. Uh, Blair is saying, morning, conduit. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Blair. Of course, it's not quite here yet. Oh, hang on one second. Wait, wait a second. Let me uh, pull that and push this. Yeah, so 2020 is on its way, though. Okay. We were talking about this just briefly the other day, or uh, the last segment. We do have 2020 on its way. And I don't know about you. And listen, this is just one of those things you have to indulge me for a second. But I have kind of always been looking forward to this particular year. And I don't know why. It may maybe because I used to watch 2020 with Barbara Walters and Hugh Downs after TGIF Fridays on Friday nights. You know, you had your full house, your family matters, and the rest of the, rest of the shows. Um, I mean, I even remember uh, that show, Just the Ten of Us, which has one of the greatest sitcom uh theme songs ever written by the way um but so i i don't know i don't know i mean 2020 let's just take the abc news broadcast 2020 i mean that was supposed to mean like you're gonna see things 2020 right i was thinking about this we want to give you the facts and we want you to see it 2020 there should have been another show called 2015 just to like one up them well you know on 2020 yeah but We'll go even further. You'll see it even clearer if you watch 2015 on NBC News. But anyway, uh, it didn't actually mean the year 2020, the title of that show, but it just it got me thinking, wouldn't it be great if 2020 was the year that more people were able to see the facts as they are, not as partisans want them to be, not as the mainstream media wants you to see them, not as the president wants you to see them necessarily, just 
we are able, wouldn't it be great if we were able to agree? Now, I know it's an election year, and you say, Paul, that's crazy. I think that we may not find out until what, what the level of agreement is in this country. We may not find out till the, the beginning of November. I mean, what happens if Donald Trump wins at a 48-state landslide? I hope that and pray that 2020 is a year where we are able to see clearly. And I mean collectively as a nation. Obviously, I'm not going to sit here. I don't have all the answers, but I'm also not going to sit here and tell you that I don't think I have a beat on on what the truth is and where things are headed. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Speaking of that, how much time do I have left? I got a little bit of time here. Hang on a second. Speaking of that, here's this article. And to me, this makes total sense. Like, you want to know why everybody's... When I say everybody, I know it's not the people we're talking to, but you want to know why the radical left has such a problem with Donald Trump? Or let's just say the swamp. You want to know why the swamp has such a problem with him? I think it has to do with this. It's as simple as this. Quote, because you'd be in jail. The real reason Democrats are pushing for Trump's impeachment. Now, you guys know exactly what we're talking about here, right? It was the debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Well, and she was just like, well, I'm just so glad we don't have somebody with your temperament. Whose fingers next to the nuclear button or something like that. Donald Trump just said, well, that's because you'd be in jail. Um, it's a guy by the name of Robert Bridge who wrote this, the Strategic Culture Foundation. I don't know anything about this, but it's up at Zero Hedge. Uh, and it may, he makes some good points. Uh, in the time-honored tradition of Machiavellian statecraft, all of the charges being leveled against Donald Trump to remove him from office, namely abuse of power and obstruction of Congress, are essentially the same things the Democratic Party has been guilty of for nearly half a decade, abusing their powers in a nonstop attack on the executive branch. Is, is the reason because they desperately need a get-out-of-jail-free card. Due to the nonstop action in Washington of late, few believe that the present state of affairs between the Democrats and Donald Trump are exclusively due to a telephone call between the U.S. leader and the Ukrainian President uh, Zelensky. If you honestly think this is about a phone call, who out there honestly thinks this was about a phone call about a potential investigation into the Bidens. And it was really about CrowdStrike, by the way, in 2016 and who actually hacked the DNC servers, but I digress. That is only scratching the surface, he writes. Back in April 2016, before Trump had become the Republican presidential nominee, talk of impeachment was already in the air. Uh, Donald Trump isn't even the Republican nominee yet, wrote Darren Samuelson in Politico, yet impeachment, he noted, is already on the lips of pundits, newspaper editorials, constitutional scholars, and even a few members of Congress. The timing of Samuelson's article is not a little astonishing, given uh, the Department of Justice had discovered just one month earlier, in, in, or what they had discovered. In 2016 of March, the DOJ found that the FBI had been employing outside contractors who had access to raw Section 702 Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act data 
and retained that access after their work with the FBI was completed. That sort of foreign access to sensitive data is highly improper. And, of course, we've seen the IG report from, from all this. But here's the thing. Does it really just go down to the fact that Trump is now investigating the people who have done a lot of really bad things because they're, I mean, I saw a meme the other day. This was actually sent to me. Uh, Let me pull it up real quick. Uh, This is a really good meme. If you think about it, Trump is basically the new boss at a company where employees have been stealing for years. If you think about it, Trump is just the new boss at a company where the employees have been stealing for years. And how many, I guess what I got to know is, since Trump, Trump, is, Trump has, has put in place countless, I would assume countless uh, executive orders, regulations that we don't even know about. And I just wonder how many people's wallets have gotten lighter, have gotten thinner in the last four years. Something to think about. Also, if you were a politician, let's say you were let's say you were a politician, you were as slimy as they come, right? And you had kind of an estimated, and we see this here locally in Arkansas, where these politicians, where Jeremy Hutchinson was getting all this money, twelve thousand a month from preferred family health care, whatever, on retainer to pass bills for his clients, and we, you know, he's now pled guilty and everything else, and well, we're awaiting sentencing, and but. There's a certain level of lifestyle that's going to come to that, right? Think about this for a second. If if you are, let's say you are a national politician, you're in D.C., you're a senator, you're a congressperson, you're a Democrat, you uh, have been getting money on the sly. And if it's happening here in Arkansas, it's happening in D.C. at, at, at a giant, a gargantuan scale even. Then all of a sudden a dude gets in the office that – knows the system, knows it's wrong, knows you're taking advantage of the American people you claim to help, and he decides to, for whatever reason, I'm just, this is blatant speculation, he's starting to cut off your money supply, making it harder. There's some speculation that foreign aid is involved. Uh, you know, what, what we see this with, uh, with, uh, with the Ukrainian money. We do know some pattern where the Ukrainian money gets to Burisma. Burisma then gives a loan to some Latvian company. That company then eventually just gives a direct payment to Hunter Biden, if not other folks. If all of that's being stopped or has been stopped and everything's come to a crawl, there might be some D.C. politicians that are getting phone calls from banks and bankers. You, you were accustomed to a certain uh, lifestyle, and now all of a sudden, maybe you, you're having trouble. You're looking at the bank account, and you're thinking, mm, I don't know if I can afford this mortgage that I, I thought everything was going to be fine. Just something to think about. No one really wants to even speculate, but I have I have my suspicions. You know what I'm saying? I have my suspicions. All right, folks, we're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back here in just a moment. Folks, as a taxpayer or business owner, I know the government rarely gives the people a break. Big government politicians seem to always want more money from us taxpayers. So if you want to support the work that we're doing here at Conduit News, bringing you the truth, then why not consider giving less money to the government that never stops overspending and overtaxing us by giving a tax-deductible donation to Conduit for Commerce? 
the premier organization in Arkansas that never stops promoting small business and limited government. Just go to conduitforcommerce.org and click on support our cause. From there, you can decide if you want to donate monthly or one time. Give the government that's using your tax dollars to grow and grow less and give the people fighting for your values more. Go to conduitforcommerce.org.